Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. And yes, there is a new intro. You guys wanted a new intro, so my boy Dustin gave you a new intro. This is your AEW Dynamite Post Show for September 14th, 2022. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Wednesday evenings, wherever you may be. Yes, the updated intro. It's not a slight or snide towards Tony Khan in any way. I just needed to get that updated because it's been a little outdated. Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon are not running WWE anymore. And when Tony Khan gets that ship righted, maybe we'll have two intros. Maybe we'll have one for Wednesday And maybe we'll have one for Monday and Friday with Triple H. So let's get everything back on track before we start praising Tony Khan like we used to do. Not like he's doing a bad job, but a new intro is absolutely needed. If you guys are asking in the chat, I have to to make mention of this because normally I don't fly solo on Wednesday nights. If you guys are wondering where Jesse is, Jesse is not going to be on the show for at least a few weeks until he gets better and recuperates. Right now, he's in the hospital. I know he's in the chat. You guys are following Jesse on social media. You guys will have known what is going on with Jesse. He's in the hospital. He said it was uh, A-OK for me to mention why he was in the hospital. He is there in regards to his Crohn's disease, and he's getting better, and he is good. Obviously, he's good. He was, I mean, he was sharing booty meat on... Twitter during Dynamite, so I know he's in good spirits. So the guy will be home before you know it. He'll be back on the show before you know it. He'll be eating tacos, as shitty as they may be, before you know it. So uh, Jesse is going to be away for a couple of weeks. Sucks to be you guys. You got me all by myself. Oh, man, (laughs) look at that. I'm sure you guys are thrilled about that. But prayers to Jesse. We love Jesse, and Jesse's going to be back uh, better than ever. So get well, Jesse. A.W. Dynamite tonight, man. Um, I thought it was a great show. A soft, great show. Did it feel a little, I would say, lackluster in parts? Yes. But Monday Night Raw has felt lackluster for the last several weeks. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's our expectations seemingly more than what they should be. I don't know. But by no reason or no means was tonight's AEW Dynamite a bad show. In fact, it was a very focused show. It was a very great setup show for next week's bigger show in New York City for AEW Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe, which I may be doing a meet and greet. I just got to get word back from the venue on where we're going to be meeting and greeting and drinking whiskey and having fun 
And I should hear back from them tomorrow at some point. And I'll announce that on social media for you guys. So if you want to come on through right before Arthur Ashe, should be a great deal. It's going to be right in the vicinity. It's not going to be the same place it was last year. It's going to be right in the vicinity. And it's going to be a classy, classy place. So uh, hopefully I will see you guys there next week. Great setup for Arthur Ashe. I loved how they bookend the show with the beginning with John Moxley and Sammy Guevara and then the end of the show with Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson. This was the selling point of the show tonight. And both matches felt important. Obviously, one was better than the other, not to take anything away from John Moxley and Sammy Guevara, which I thought was a great match. Jericho and Brian had a great match. They had a much better match than what we got at All Out. The story was better. I feel like this had a little bit more importance to it, which is why I liked it as well. But that's what you get when you got two consummate professionals in there, two great in-ring storytellers like Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho in the ring, in the main event, with something like that for the right to go to Arthur Ashe and wrestle for the AEW World Championship. So that was great. Those two matches really sold it for tonight's Dynamite. MJF. MJF. We have MJF, obviously... He's the most must-see act on television right now, in my honest opinion. Um, Not taking anything away from, you know, some of the great stars that we'd see on Monday and Friday. But MJF, to me, is the most must-see act. Anytime he is on, you're going to drop what you're doing and you're going to listen to the man speak. We all know MJF is incredible at his job. MJF cut a scathing promo on Jon Moxley tonight. And great as it may sound, I feel like it might have been too direct to Jon Moxley. I hope Tony Khan is in the mindset of unpredictability. I don't want to go into next week's show with the predictable outcome of John Moxley on my mind, winning the world championship for a third time. That's not something I want, especially somebody, you know, like Brian Danielson being on the opposing side. I hope that the match next week is as unpredictable as could be. We got the Daniel Garcia aspect that we obviously will know come into play. We got the MJF aspect coming into play. He's not going to be in New York City at an AEW show and not be on Dynamite. So we know he's going to be there. Hopefully Tony Khan has something devised and something up his sleeve where it does come off as a memorable show for everybody involved. Does MJF cash in? I don't know. He does have that chip, that poker chip, which gives him the right to challenge for the world championship at any time he wants. Could be next week. We don't know. So only time will tell with that. But I love that promo. Every promo that MJF cuts is fantastic. And then we got MJF giving the lead to Stokely Hathaway. And we finally got an understanding as to who these men are, what the name of the group is, and why these men are here all joined together And what is their relationship with MJF? We asked for this last week, and lo and behold, we got it this week. Loved the fact that they gave Stokely Hathaway time to tell us why he did what he did, and even tied up loose ends as to when he came in, he's not a publicist, he's not a manager, he's not this, he's not that. He was basically coming on in here to blackmail everybody and get ahead and form this group that is now known as The Firm. Some people might not like it. I think the name goes fucking hard. 
I think it's great. The firm. That's what they are. That was a great segment. Some of you might have thought it went too long. Some of you might not know Stokely Hathaway from his Malcolm Bivens days in NXT. And before Malcolm Bivens, Stokely Hathaway on the independent scene. I thought this was a great segment. He's a great talker, a great character. And he's going to get every one of those men over as a heel. And he's going to get this faction over to where it needs to be. That's how good he is. I thought this was fantastic stuff. Jungle Boy and Jay Lethal, they went one-on-one tonight. And a lot of people were scratching their heads over Keith Lee and, uh, and Swerve Strickland. I don't understand why. Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee swerving our glory against the Lucha Brothers for the AEW Tag Team Championships tonight. As impromptu as it was, it was yet another banger by Lucha Brothers and Swerve and our glory. I'm going to go over why this match happened tonight. And it's not really a secret as to why this match happened tonight, because I think we all know the outcome of next week's match with the Acclaim. And I just basically gave you the answer without giving you the actual answer as to why this match happened tonight. And I got news. I got news on suspensions coming out of All Out that now were erased. They are no longer suspended. People, a part of that melee at All Out, not suspended any longer And we'll go over what those names are. Obviously, the culprits, the main individuals in this brawl, are still suspended and injured. But those that tried to break up the fight, no longer suspended. So we'll go over that. Got new stories on that. And we are in for a very good evening, folks. Thank you so very much for joining me on your Wednesday nights, wherever you may be. Tonight's show sponsored by my great friends over at Established Titles, man. I don't know if you guys know, but I am Lord JD from NY. I have documentation to prove it. I am a Lord. Like Lord William Regal. I am now a Lord. You guys can be a Lord or a Queen if you so choose. EstablishedTitles.com slash script or EstablishedTitles.com and use code SCRIPTS. You guys can be on your way to joining me in this lordship, in this kingdom known as Off The Script. We'll go over my friends over at Established Titles a little bit later on in the show. Follow me on social media, guys, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Thank you for all the support on social media. Thank you to everybody tweeting along with me tonight during... AEW Dynamite. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. I need a thousand likes minimum. No questions asked. I need a thousand likes minimum on tonight's post show. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. If you enjoyed... If you enjoyed what Jamie Hayter wore to the ring tonight, I'm going to need you to hit that thumbs up. I mean, I, I mean, I make it easy for you. I mean, come on, man. It's like a fucking layup. Come on. Hit that thumbs up. Go check out all the other content that you might have missed this week. We did an extra yesterday on Roman Reigns and the complicated situation with Roman Reigns. It ain't no fucking complications here, motherfucker. I told you exactly what needs to be done and who should be involved. 
Go check it out. Monday Night Raw review up there as well. Off the scripts from Sunday night up there and the big week that was last week. If you missed any of that content, I'm sure some of you are still catching up on it. It's all there on the homepage. Go and check it out. And as always, Super Chats are open, man. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show and join the VIP club. Become a channel member right here on Off The Script. We have new emotes, man. Seven in total coming. On top of the ones you guys got now. Plus two new badges. Unbelievable stuff by my team over at Deviate Designs. We're going to be getting them in the next few weeks. So hit that join button and become a channel member right here on OTS. One thing I don't want to see, I've seen his name in the chat. I've seen his name in the chat. And uh, if anybody's listening to me over at AEW, Tony Khan may be listening to this. Luigi Primo needs to go away and go back to the fucking uh, pizza shop that he came from. And he needs to just stay off my television. I don't know where the fuck he... I never before tonight heard of Luigi Primo. I don't know why he was on the show. Maybe it's because of New York having uh, great pizza. I I don't know of any great pizza shops in Albany. By the way, fuck Albany. I hate Albany. I hate Albany with a fucking passion, man. I do. And I don't know who Luigi Primo is. I don't. He legitimately looks like a fucking jobber. He himself looks like an embarrassment. And if this guy finds any more TV time on AEW television, I want them to quit before they are ahead of themselves. Please. We don't need him on television. Luigi Primo. One of my favorite shops in South Jersey when I go to Atlantic City is Primo Hoagies. I love me a good Primo Hoagie. But Luigi Primo, no thank you, man. This guy looks like a fucking uh, illegitimate cousin of Super Mario. And uh, Luigi, it's me, Mario. No, no, we don't need that on television. Please, just move on with that, okay? Fucking Luigi Primo. What a goon. What a complete gee. Where did he come from, Luigi Primo? Yeah, Luigi versus Danhausen. That's exactly what we need, right? It's me, Mario. Get him out. Get him out. Nobody wants him. Dynamite started off with John Moxley and Sammy Guevara. A lot of people were uh, ragging on Sammy Guevara coming out of his vlog, apparently. He cut this promo tonight, or not tonight, on the vlog, and we've seen it leading into tonight's show. A lot of people were like, what is he crying for? He doesn't get opportunities. He's not on the posters. He's not in this. He's not in that. People overlook him. People turn their backs on him. Some people were claiming it was not really a good promo. I didn't find anything wrong with the promo. I just think that I just didn't think the verbiage was in line with what we think of Sammy Guevara. I mean, Sammy Guevara is very good at what he does. And I thought it was a good promo on his end to hype up his match with John Moxley. So we got John Moxley obviously advancing here against Sammy Guevara. I don't think this was uh, in doubt at all. Moxley grounded Guevara early, but Guevara responded with some strikes in the corner. Guevara was uh, playing the coward early on here. He was kind of playing it up with the crowd a little bit. And then when he got back in the ring, Moxley turned him inside out with a King Kong lariat. So they got a chop battle going back and forth. Moxley was asking Sammy. This was one of my favorite spots of the entire night. Moxley asked Sammy to uh, give him some chops. 
And Moxley was receiving these chops by Sammy Guevara. At one point, he laid down to take a nap during the chop fest. Then he gets right back up and starts blistering chops on Sammy Guevara. Guevara sent him to the outside. Thereafter, with two dives, Guevara drove Moxley's head into the ring steps. He took advantage early on here. Moxley quickly came back, sent Guevara into the railing. Moxley couldn't stay in control. Guevara then posted him against the steel post, went back into the ring, and he made a quick cover here, only got a two count. Guevara escaped a rear naked choke early on. He remained in control after the attempt of the rear naked choke by Moxley. Attempted pile driver on the apron. Moxley countered this into a headlock and drove his head, did Moxley. Drove Guevara's head right into the ring apron. That looked like it sucked. Either that or Sammy Guevara is just masterful at selling. So Guevara, he is outside. He gets back in the ring at a seven. And then Moxley goes at him with some stiff attacks. He violently raked his back. Moxley with the old school Hogan maneuver. The raking of the back, which I always found humorous. I mean, it's an old school move, man. It's an old school Hogan and Roddy Piper maneuver. You got to love it. Then he bit him. And then he planted him with a butterfly suplex off the top rope for a two count. Guevara countered a submission from Moxley into a Boston Crab. And after the Boston Crab, he's up top. He hits a double jump cutter. He lost his footing a little bit on the first jump. And then the second jump, he got it. So he goes for a near fall off the jumping cutter. He's going for the GTH, the go to hell. He's looking to finish this thing off. And that was counted into a bulldog choke by Moxley, which looked great. He gets out of the bulldog choke. He transitions into some anvil elbows. Guevara countered a King Kong lariat into a great Spanish fly for a two count. This is where Guevara usually shines late in the match. Moxley cut off Guevara in the corner with an avalanche German suplex. And both guys are down. All of a sudden, we see Anna JAS... And Tay Conti, or Tay Mello, at this point. Now, she's Tay Mello. She's not Tay Conti anymore. We see both of these ladies on the outside. Anna Jay, she's got this almost see-through shirt on, and she's got purple hands covering her tits. And Tay Conti's running around on the outside while, while Bryce Remsburg is obviously distracted by Anna Jay. I mean, who the fuck wouldn't be? I mean, Jungle Boy's a lucky guy. I'll tell you that right now. And then we got Tay Mello on the outside. She's running around, scheming. She gets in the ring, and she's wearing these big, pointy boots. And she kicks Moxley right in the penis. So come from behind, she does, and she kicks Moxley in the penis. And he goes down. So we got this possible upset happening here. Guevara goes for a quick roll-up. He only gets a two-count. He's stunned. Guevara missed a senton atomico, and Tay Conti and Anna Jay, their attempt was foiled. So we got strikes going back and forth. So Moxley, he's up in the GTH. He floats out of the GTH into a great-looking Death Rider, and that was basically it. Moxley wins with the Death Rider, one, two, three, and he's advancing to Grand Slam. He's going to New York City. You know... He was supposed to be away for six weeks, reportedly, I read today. Moxley was with Renee. He was supposed to go on vacation. His vacation now is possibly winning the world championship in New York City at Arthur Rash Stadium. 
I thought this was a fun opener. I thought this was very good. I think that John Moxley and Sammy Guevara have very good chemistry together. And it was basically academic from before even the bell ringing. There's nobody in that arena that did not expect, did not expect Moxley to not win this thing. Everybody knew he was going to win this. Sammy Guevara put up a fight. Sammy Guevara, obviously his day will come. And Moxley's going on to wrestle Brian Danielson, as we will talk about a little bit later on in the show. So Moxley is one half of the main event at this point. Excellent open to the show. Made it seem important. And the right guy won. All of a sudden, MJF, Excalibur says MJF was causing a scene backstage. He demanded a microphone. So we go right to commercial break. We go and come back from the commercial and MJF's music plays. And he's walking down the aisle, screaming at Albany. He wants his theme music cut off. And he's got something to say. He's got something to say to John Moxley after he just advanced to Grand Slam. He told the fans that MJF, keep your fat mouths shut. He says he hasn't slept in seven days since he went toe-to-toe with Jonathan last week. He said he saw the look in his eyes. The man with no fear, right? You have no idea how much that pisses me off, the fact that I look at you and you have no fear. He said he's not the same kid that he crossed paths with back in 2020. You're not going to see MJF 2020. You're not going to see a presidential podium out here and all this other nonsense. Not by a long shot. I'm a different guy. He then told Moxley, I'm not playing a character, John. You are. He said Moxley is as much of a joke as these schmucks in the crowd. He said he read his book and he quite liked it. He said he especially liked the part about his childhood. So the fans in Albany are like Moxley, uneducated, poor, white trash scumbags. And Moxley got bullied. He said when that happens and causes people to put up a front. He said fans can chant his name all they want. Love when heels do that. So the crowd obviously starts chanting Moxley, Moxley, Moxley. They may buy your shtick. You can chant his name all you want, but I'm not buying it. He says he knows he's still the same scared, poor little boy. He says he's old enough to drown his childhood trauma in alcohol like a worthless drunk. He said he'll give him credit for beating the habit. Then he yelled at some fat slob in the front row, shut your mouth, fat boy. And then this guy was obviously flexing his fat muscles to MJF. I'm sure MJF would fucking beat the piss out of this guy. He said it took fortitude, guts, and bravery to defeat his disease. He said his brain is more dangerous than Moxley's disease. He said bad things happen when people get in his way. And he said that applies to Danielson and Chris Jericho as well. So this is the first time that MJF is mentioning Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho in a promo that has been predominantly about John Moxley coming out of last week's stare down. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because 
Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So they at least were mentioned here. How they factor into this, I don't know. He told Moxley to take his vacation that he was planning and skip Grand Slam. He said the AEW title is his title no matter what happens at Grand Slam. He said Moxley told a story as well when he came back from his rehab about the alcoholism. Told a story about a demon after his stint in rehab. He said that demon told him he didn't deserve anything he accomplished since he left the slums of Cincinnati. He said he will soon find out if he doesn't tread lightly that he is that demon. MJF is the demon. And I'm a demon you cannot slay, MJF says. Says he wanted to get down to business, which he said the fans wouldn't understand because they're so poor. He then introduced Stokely Hathaway and the firm the men who helped secure the poker chip at All Out. He said Stokely Hathaway is his best friend. So this is Stokely Hathaway and the firm. At this point, MJF had the firm in the ring, and he exited the ring after a scathing promo about John Moxley with a brief mention of Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho. Before I get into what Stokely Hathaway said, which was a whole different segment. It was one segment leading into another. I want to focus on MJF here. MJF mentioned predominantly John Moxley, which is fine. They have history. We know that they have history in AEW, so clearly it does make sense. I love the fact that MJF brought up the whole presidential thing while they were feuding and, you know, the podium and that little presidential run he was on, you know, MJF 2020 or whatever the fuck was going on there. This is not the same, the same MJF. This is a different MJF. And I'm glad he brought all of this up. Now, the one thing I don't really understand is if you're going into next week's show with John Moxley being the odds-on favorite to once again walk out as the AEW champion, it doesn't matter if it was against Jericho or Bryan. He's the odds-on favorite because he's the fan favorite. Tony Khan loves him. Tony Khan, obviously, if I'm... To get into the mind of Tony Khan, if I'm Tony Khan, I want to put myself in, in his shoes for just five minutes. If I'm Tony Khan and I'm looking at what CM Punk did to me and the company at All Out and the media scrum, I'm also looking at John Moxley, who you relied on. Tony Khan relied on John Moxley to carry the company in the absence for two months of CM Punk as interim champion. John Moxley beat CM Punk in Cleveland. John Moxley then went into Chicago, laid down after a great match with CM Punk, and lost that match, crowning CM Punk once again the undisputed AEW World Champion. You relied on John Moxley to do this for you and the company. 
If I'm Tony Khan and I put myself in his shoes for five minutes, I feel genuinely bad and terrible. There's not, there's not any amount of apology that would be sufficient enough towards John Moxley. Even though, even though, you know, Tony Khan always has his heart on his sleeve and he's always wanting to do what's right by everybody, there comes a point where you got to sit down and you got to look at yourself and say, man, I messed this up. He didn't do anything during that post-show scrum and he allowed CM Punk to walk all over him. John Moxley deserves better than that. That's why that promo on Wednesday last week hit so hard. John Moxley is the MVP of AEW. John Moxley may be the MVP of all professional wrestling. John Moxley is AEW's ace. Number one. I don't give a shit what PWI and their top 500 says. You could put Roman Reigns on a sheet of paper and express to the fucking world that he's the best wrestler in the world. John Moxley, just based on everything he did this summer, is the number one guy that you're looking at when you're talking about any fucking wrestling list. Bar none. Because of what that means. What he means to AEW. I don't give a shit what anybody says. John Moxley, I would feel bad for. So I'm having a feeling right now that Tony Khan wants to kind of make it up to John Moxley and give him another run with the World Championship, but I question that as well. This is where these creative meetings would go back and forth and bounce ideas back and forth. Do you really want to give John Moxley another run as the AEW champion? Do you want to give him another run as AEW champion knowing that whoever walks out of that match is going to inevitably drop the title to MJF? Now, we could get somebody winning that match on Wednesday next week and a cash-in immediately happening. There'd be no rain whatsoever, and we start basically the rest of the year and for the foreseeable future for a very long time. He's going to be heralded as the longest-reigning AEW champion ever. We could have a new champion next week if Tony Khan wants to book it. He could cash in next week, MJF. It doesn't matter who wins that match. But do you really want to give John Moxley that win, knowing that no matter if it's Moxley or Bryan, they're inevitably going to drop the title to MJF, whether it's next week, whether it's at, Grand, uh, at uh, Full Gear? We don't know. We don't know. This is why I have advocated for not only this match next week with Bryan and Moxley, but I've also advocated for Bryan to win the world championship. Hold on to it a little bit. MJF can go through John Moxley at some point on the way to Bryan. And then Brian drops the title to MJF at Full Gear in New Jersey. A place that I'm sure MJF is thrilled about winning the world title in. Not really, because he thinks New Jersey's a shithole. But, I mean, that would be great. It's still a New York, New Jersey-type show. It would fit right in with the whole narrative there about him winning, basically, on his home turf. And he's going to be mega over in New Jersey if that is the way that Tony Khan wants to go and do business. But did he make it? There are ways out of it, obviously, but did he make it a little bit too predictable by MJF targeting John Moxley so much in this promo with barely a mention of, of Brian and, and Jericho, who was in the main event? I don't know. I hope Tony Khan knows what he's doing. Not saying that predictable is bad. I'm not saying predictable is bad at all. I always reference the Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels 
WrestleMania 14 match. We knew Stone Cold going into that match was going to win the world championship. Whether or not uh, anybody at the time believed it or not, I don't know. But I think we all kind of knew Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be crowned the new WWF champion. I'm not saying that predictable is bad. Predictable can be good sometimes. But in this case, I hope that there's some wrench into the gears as far as creative alongside what Tony Khan is thinking going into next week's show. That's all I could say. So now we shift gears to Stokely Hathaway. I said last week with Jesse that we need, it's been, it should have happened last week. It should have happened on last week's show. Why did they help him win the poker chip in the beginning of All Out? Who are they? What is their business? Why are they together? Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. We got that a week later. Now, I don't know if that was done because it was designed that way or maybe they heard the criticisms of the community and said, we got to get this on TV. We got to give these people an explanation. I think they're right. I think we owe these people an explanation. Should have happened last week, but I'm glad we got it this week because now things are really ramping up going into Grand Slam next week. So Stokely Hathaway's out there. The firm is what they're called. W. Marcy, Ethan Page, the Ass Boys, the Gun Club, and Lee Moriarty. Hathaway took the microphone. He said he had a meeting with MJF. He said MJF was disenfranchised. They wanted to quit AEW. This meeting, by the way, took place in New York, he said. He said that that would give, he said that would give everyone what they wanted. That would have given everybody what they wanted. MJF just walking away and quitting AEW. So we sat down and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we came up with a logical solution. He said, this is one of the rare times that they will see them together because MJF, when he doesn't need them, they will all go their separate ways. Stokely Hathaway then said, I'm not a publicist. I'm not a manager. I'm not an assistant. He said he's just a friend who has the connections and network to make anything happen. He said everything he has done since Double or Nothing when we first saw him come out with Jade Cargill has been a con, C-O-N. He said there's not one rock he hasn't turned over. He said the juicier the gossip, the more power you have. He said, there's nothing like good old-fashioned blackmail. He said, that's what turns him on and gets him going. He talked about his guys. He turned to W. Morrissey first and said that Morrissey wants to do what he wants to do, and that's when he's happy, when he gets to do what he wants to do. He loves him, and he appreciates him. He didn't really give us an insight about what W. Morrissey's doing here, I think they kind of dropped the ball on that, but we'll see what we mean or what he means by W. Marcy does whatever the fuck he wants. I don't know. Everybody else got an explanation. Everybody got something as far as reasoning goes. So he loves W. Marcy. He wasn't having at it. He hugged him, and then he goes back and says, I told you I love you. He said, I know, I know, I know. He mouths away from the microphone, does W. Marcy. So then he goes over to Lee Moriarty. He said, it's time for Moriarty to become a star. And he said he wants to bring some honor back to the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. It's a good spot for him. Lee Moriarty, when Ring of Honor gets started up, is a good spot for Lee Moriarty. When that happens, I don't know. So then he shifts his attention to the guns. He says the guns are not boys. They are men. 
Obviously, the crowd is chanting, S-Boys, at the gun club. They're not having at it. He said they no longer wanted to walk in the shadows of their old daddy. He said everyone will learn to take them seriously. What if the Acclaim win the tag team championships? Will they be next in line to get a shot at the Acclaim? Will we see that rivalry renewed this time for the tag team championships? Something to look out for. He said everyone will learn to take them seriously. He then turned to Ethan Page, who got a huge reaction from the crowd. And that's a great thing to listen to because I think the crowd is the pulse of what is going on here. That crowd reaction, hopefully somebody in the back, hopefully Tony Khan and Gorilla heard that. People want Ethan Page. People want more Ethan Page. People want Ethan Page to get an opportunity. Ethan Page is too good to be sitting in fucking catering. You know, Josh Alexander, his old tag team partner, could be the face of impact and have banger after banger after banger matches. Ethan Page should be the same fucking way on AEW television. Instead, the only feeling I got about Ethan Page is that they brought him in with the sole reason of keeping him there to kind of lure Josh Alexander to AEW, and that never happened, and I don't think that will. So you got Ethan Page now. You signed him to an extension. It's about time he gets on television, and in a prominent way. And I love what they said here. He's from Canada. Ethan Page is from Canada. He said now he's going to focus his attention on the All-Atlantic Championship and I, that title, that pack is holding. Great. Great. This is fantastic. Who knows if Pac is going to be the champion by the time we get there, but the fact that every one of these guys, minus Mars, because he does whatever the fuck he wants, look at him. Do you want to fuck with him? I know I don't. All these guys are on TV. MJF introduced them. MJF gave them props about helping him secure the poker chip and becoming the number one contender for the AEW title. And Stokely gave these guys a purpose and a goal to go after. How many times do we see, I said this most recently about Judgment Day, I said this about Judgment Day when they formed on Monday Night Raw. Edge was going all cryptic about their message, wanted to get their message out there. If you got somebody like Adam Copeland leading your group and you enlist Damian Priest, who we know has got top potential, and Rhea Ripley, who we know has been given the short end of the stick, you haven't given us a fucking reason as to why these people are together and what their ultimate goal is. If you guys remember when Judgment Day first formed and Rhea Ripley was enlisted to join Damian Priest and Edge, the reason why she joined Judgment Day is because she felt the fans turned on her and she was sick of people signing or getting or wanting autographs. She was sick of signing autographs only for them to end up on eBay, is what she said. No, that's not the case. That was not the reason why you joined Judgment Day, and that is a lame fucking reason to go out there and spew to the general fucking public and the audience watching your show. That is not the reason why you joined Judgment Day. That was fucking pathetic. And it did not give me any interest at all in Rhea Ripley joining Judgment Day. Do you know why I'm interested in Judgment Day now? Because she now has a fucking purpose, and her purpose is to manipulate Dominic Mysterio. That's the fucking purpose of Rhea Ripley. She's being used as a devil to manipulate a young man in Dominic and take him away from his father. Now she has a meaning. But we never got any meaning with Judgment Day. Stokely gave us meaning for these guys and their goals and what they want to accomplish in AEW. 
in 10 minutes. Beautiful. Absolutely perfect. I could not ask for anything more. Everything that we needed, they gave us. Now it's time to execute. I don't want to see them operate all at the same time going after all these championships. Slow but sure. One by one by one. Ethan Page going after Pac or Ethan Page going after Orange Cassidy. Whichever the case may be, I think that's a great role for Ethan Page. The gun club, I'm not big on the gun club like some people are, but it could be an interesting story when that time comes. Two homegrown AEW tag teams vying for the tag team championships. Fantastic. W. Marcy, he does what the fuck he wants. He may be targeting Wardlow at the end of all this. We don't know. So I loved everything about this segment. And MJF, obviously, just getting all that out about John Moxley was always great. I could listen to the man speak for the entire two hours of this show. And I loved everything that Stokely did here. This was fantastic. Jungle Boy. He went one-on-one with Jay Lethal. Apparently, this was an open challenge. Jungle Boy said things need to get back on track. So he signed an open contract for anybody to meet him in the ring tonight. Sanjay Dutt then accepted the challenge on behalf of Jay Lethal. So we got these two in the ring. Really no heat or no build going into this match. It was basically just something to keep Jungle Boy on the burner while Christian Cage is out attending to his injury. And we're building towards Jungle Boy, I'm assuming, against Luchasaurus at some point before Christian Cage gets back to action, which will be a very long time. So I don't know how they're going to continue this storyline. They may have Jungle Boy uh, run through Luchasaurus and get the upset victory. That's going to be that's going to be very tricky. That is going to be very, very tricky. How are they going to maneuver that? They're, they're basically in a no-win situation there. There's no way they can do that match and have a good payoff. The payoff was Jungle Boy beating Christian Cage. The payoff was not Jungle Boy beating Luchasaurus. Not after we now have a solid idea as to what he's doing. He is a evil dinosaur. They basically have no clue as to what's going to happen there. I do not want to see Jungle Boy beat Luchasaurus. That would be one of the most counterproductive maneuvers that AEW has ever given us in three and a half years. Not a good look. Not a good look. So we will see what happens there. But in the time being, he's got to remain hot. And a win over Jay Lethal is what they expected or what they wanted or what they thought would be good for Jungle Boy here. Very good match. Jungle Boy's very good, as always. And Jay Lethal's fucking great. So you got a great wrestling match out of these two, but no heat behind it because it's an open challenge. I'm not a big fan of open challenges. I think open challenges are lame. I think open challenges are basically throwing your hands up in the air and saying, you know what, we're just going to throw a match out there. It's basically telling the fans, we don't have anything planned, so we're just going to be a great wrestling match. Just fine. There's no heat. There's no heat to it. So the bell rings. We got a little bit of a back and forth between these two. Jungle Boy controlled the action. Lethal tried for a figure four, but he was sent to the outside. Jungle Boy wanted to dive, but Satnam Singh stood in his way. Sanjay Dutt ran around to distract, but... uh, he did, eventually, and this allowed Lethal to hit a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle on Jungle Boy. Lethal was in control. 
And Jungle Boy exploded out of the corner at one point to turn Lethal inside out with a lariat. Commentary was putting over, coming out of All Out, and how it could still be hurting him or hampering him. The fact that he got burned on that still great at All Out because of the chokeslam by Luchasaurus. So I like the fact that they're still selling that. I mean, that's not going to be a two-week get-over-it type of thing. So they were selling that. So they start throwing forearms at each other. Jungle Boy sold his back because of the backbreaker spot on the turnbuckle. He was going for a suplex, sold his back. Jungle Boy then avoided a lethal injection attempt into another lariat and a beautiful brain buster. So now we're in the corner. Lethal recovered, hit a side rush and leg sweep off the second turnbuckle. They were jockeying for position up top, and that was uh, what was there. A side rush and leg sweep off the second turnbuckle. Jungle Boy countered yet another lethal injection, but lethal countered a kill switch into a lethal combination. Tope suicida from lethal, which looked great. That led to a spot in the ring quickly off the top rope with a top rope elbow drop. He got a near fall off the macho. Oh, yeah. Elbow drop. Jungle Boy blocked a pump kick. Got the snare trap. Sanjay Dutt. He was on the apron again. He got knocked from the apron as Lethal tried a figure four. Jungle Boy countered into another snare trap, and he actually got the submission victory over Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal taps out. Again, uh, not really much to discuss here on top of what I've already stated. This was basically Jungle Boy, as far as Tony Khan's mindset, mindset, we got to keep him hot. We got to continue giving him the momentum that he needs coming out of this feud, which right now is suffering from the unfortunate injury, real-life injury, Taurus Tricep, to Christian Cage. But like I said, the question is, what are we going to do with Luchasaurus? Is Luchasaurus going to feud with Jungle Boy? And how are you going to maneuver that? Who's going to walk out the victor there? You don't want to bury Jungle Boy, but you also, in no way, shape, or form, can make a situation where Luchasaurus is taking a pinfall. Nobody will ever believe in that character again. Not to say Jungle Boy is bad and he can't beat somebody like a Luchasaurus, but right now is not the right time. It's going to be tricky as far as creative on how to manage all this because of Christian Cage's injury. Alex Marvez is backstage. He says he couldn't wait for Grand Slam. He introduces the Big Apple's premier pizza maker and wrestler, Luigi Primo. It's me, Mario. Get him out. Get this guy off TV, flipping around a fucking fake dough. I'll take mine with uh, sausage, pepperoni, or mushroom and uh, olives. I love mushroom and olives. If anybody wants pineapple on their pizza, Otis, I'm going to need you to get them the fuck out of here. I don't want to criticize anybody who loves pineapple on pizza, but not in my establishment. We don't do that here. We don't do that here whatsoever. So all of a sudden, Ethan Page comes in and boots, it's me, Mario, out of here. And then Danhausen walks up. No cursing. He didn't do none of the cursing. He didn't curse Ethan Page. Page issued a challenge to the jester of AEW for Friday's Rampage, and Danhausen accepted. Danhausen didn't realize that Ethan Page just said he was a court jester and that he would beat the shit out of him on Friday night. 
Jesse just texted me before we get into the next segment. Got to take my meds and go to sleep. Love you all. Thank you for all the well wishes. Much love to the OTS family. Jesse's going to bed. Jesse is uh, going to sleep. Bro, you need any more motivation to go to sleep, just turn on Impact Wrestling, bro. You'll be asleep in seconds. Nobody watches Impact Wrestling. I mean, who the fuck watches Impact Wrestling, man? But, bro, listen, man, the sound of the fucking three people clapping along inside that Impact Zone, they'll have you knocked out in seconds, bro. Believe me, take my advice. Take my advice. Impact. <laughs> Nobody watches Impact Wrestling, man. Come on, you fucking comedians, man. Give me a break. Nobody watches Impact. We got a Darby Allen video package. Darby Allen video was shown from his work with the Nitro Circus this past weekend, backflipping a tricycle. Matt Hardy puts him over and called him one of his greatest rivals. Matt Hardy challenged Darby Allen to a match on Rampage to scratch his way back to the top. Does anybody have any interest in seeing Matt Hardy wrestle solo? I know I don't. And it's going to take more for Matt Hardy to get back to the top, scratch his way back to the top than beating Darby Allen. Give me a break. You want Rampage to be a great show. That's not it. That's not going to make it happen. Powerhouse Hobbs, he defeated Matt DiMartino. Sounds like he should be working for It's a me, Mario, with a name like DiMartino. This match lasted about four seconds. This match was so short that the spine buster that Hobbs gave this guy busted Will Hobbs open. That's how devastating the spine buster was. One, two, three, and that is it. I think we are well beyond. We are well beyond powerhouse Hobbs squash matches. This is actually now beneath Hobbs. I enjoy a good squash every now and then, but you got to do the squash when the squash makes sense. You got to do the enhancement matches when the enhancement matches make sense. I don't know what they're doing with Powerhouse Hobbs, but clearly the feud with Ricky Starks is not over yet. After the match was over, he got on the microphone. So we got some mic time here for big Powerhouse Hobbs. Fans are chanting, we want Ricky, we want Ricky. He was bleeding from the mouth because of that spine buster. He said he beat Ricky at All Out. He said he spent 20 months with him, but at All Out, it only took him 4 minutes and 35 seconds to beat him. But who's counting? Who's counting? He said that chapter is closed, so it's time to open up a new chapter in the book of Hobbes. I like that. I like that a lot, man. The book of Hobbes is something that's going to get over big time. I guarantee, I'm, 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 I'm speculating here. I'm speculating here, man. I guarantee you. I would, I would put money on it. That powerhouse Hobbes is being mentored by Mark Henry. You got the, the Hall of Pain, the House of Pain, the Hall of Pain. You got the Hall of Pain and the Book of Hobbes. I guarantee it just sounds like a Mark Henry, you know, learning tree type thing. I could absolutely see. And Mark Henry, man, when he was heel, when he was like chasing the world champion, Mark Henry was fucking great. That character was so fucking good, man. Really. I loved Mark Henry as a heel. So good. The Book of Hobbes. He says that starts tonight. Starks walked down the steps. Cool, calm, and collected. 
was powerhouse. Uh, well, well, he was calm too. He didn't give a shit. But was Ricky Starks walking down the aisleway in the fence? He had this black shirt on. He had his chains on. He had his sunglasses on. Ricky Starks walking into the fucking ring. You know, he, he just wanted to be there, man. He just wanted to work with powerhouse Hobbs. He, he walks past the He jukes them out. And then he gets into the ring. They start throwing fists. He picks up the microphone that Hobbs was using to cut this promo. Beats him over the head with the, with the microphone. And that was basically it. That was basically it. Hobbs retreated. And it looks like we're getting another one-on-one. So Hobbs may have won in four minutes and 35 seconds, but we may be getting something along the lines of a rematch somewhere down the line, whether it happens at Grand Slam next week, maybe. Maybe it happens on the Rampage portion of Grand Slam. Or maybe we get it at some other point in the next couple weeks with a little bit more weeks of build. I don't know. But it looks like we're getting a rematch between these two, which I think is great because they obviously deserve... More time than just four minutes and 35 seconds. The Lucha Brothers. They are the trios champions along with Tupac, who's also the All-Atlantic champion. They are the challengers for Swerve in Our Glory, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. This is an AEW tag team title match. Why? I'll tell you why in a second. This match was great. It went about 10 minutes. But this match was really, really, they stuffed a lot into this thing. And it just goes to show you how great the tag team division is in AEW. Still, still their strongest asset as a company. So we got a very quick start here with Strickland and Penta. Penta was going at it with Strickland. Strickland did a handstand in the ring to evade a maneuver from Penta. But Penta kicked him right in the midsection. He wasn't having any of that shit. Assisted splash by the Lucha Brothers. That's the move where Penta rolls Phoenix onto his opponent. That looked great. So they are in control. And now they got Strickland in the corner. So Hurricane Rana off the top rope. Phoenix then tried a chop exchange with Keith Lee after he was tagged in. And he got destroyed because nobody wants to run into Keith Lee. And Phoenix is a lot smaller than Keith Lee, obviously. Lucha Brothers swing the tide back into their control. And Lucha Brothers gain control here with a dive to the outside. Lee eventually steamrolled Phoenix into his corner. Strickland tagged in, immediately started mocking Penta. Phoenix spun out of a gory special into a comeback. Big spin kick. Made the hot tag to Penta. Phoenix was caught by Lee off of a dive, and he lawn-darted him right into Penta as Penta had just hit made in Penta on Strickland. Penta then tried for a fear factor, but Strickland slapped Penta and tagged in Lee. This is where things broke down. This was fucking great. Phoenix tried to crossbody again on Lee. He was caught and just thrown around, ragdolled. Strickland and Lee then tried their corner powerbomb double stomp of Penta He put a stop to that, which allowed Phoenix to hit a huge Spanish fly off the top rope. Penta then hit a fucking Canadian destroyer on Keith Lee that popped this crowd bigger than anything in the entire two hours of the show. Got a holy shit chant. Strickland shoved Phoenix off of the top to the floor. Lee hit the BBC, or what he calls the ground zero now, for the one, two, three, and that was it. 
Swerve in Our Glory beats the Lucha Brothers in a tag team match. Now, I know people are probably asking themselves a couple of things. Number one, why would you put the Lucha Brothers in a tag team title match so soon after they just won the trios championships on last week's show in a title match this week, a title match that they were never going to win. I don't know. I think the Lucha Brothers and Death Triangle as a trio are over to a point where they can suffer a loss like this. It might have looked a little bad just based on the logic of it, but I get why they did it. They did this match tonight because we are absolutely, no doubt about it, getting new tag team champions next week, which I feel I feel bad for swerving our glory, but it was never meant to be a full-fledged, oh my God, they're going to go on a two-year tear reign. It was never meant to be that. Swerving our glory is going to lose those tag team championships next week to the acclaimed. The acclaimed is at a point right now where they are molten hot and you need to put the titles on them because this is what the fans want. You have to listen to the fans as the fans are the heartbeat of any pro wrestling company. If you don't do what the fans want, it's not a good look. WWE did that for decades, and look at where it got them. Triple H is outshining everything Vince McMahon did in eight weeks compared to Vince McMahon's last, I, I want to I reference the last five to ten years. Vince McMahon made a mockery out of that fucking company. And Triple H is doing everything he can to give the fans exactly what they've asked for, all those things that they've asked for that went unheard. We are absolutely getting new tag team champions next week. And we're also getting Swerve turning on Keith Lee. Did you guys hear Swerve get that reaction tonight when he came out? He usually comes out with his theme music first. Keith Lee comes out to his theme music. Keith Lee got a babyface reaction. Swerve got a heel reaction. Swerve is turning on Keith Lee next week, and that is going to be the reason why they lose those tag team championships and the acclaimed are crowned. The uncrowned champions will be crowned in New York City. But they needed a big win for themselves they wanted to get that match out of the way because I'm assuming that might have been on the table. And it's a great match. Two great teams. Great match that we got. They needed a big win. They got a solid win over the Lucha Brothers. They go into next week's show, lose the tag team titles. Lucha Brothers are unfazed by this. And they are still the trio champions. And they're not going to lose anything from this at all. So I love this. And I'm very much looking forward to that match next week. It may be. It may be the match of the night. Like it was at the pay-per-view. One of the best things of the entire year was that tag team match with Swerve and Our Glory against the Acclaimed that all out. They will duplicate that next week. Can't wait. Max Caster came out. He came out, the music hit. Everybody thought he was going to rap. He said, shut the music off. No rap by Max Caster. He told Strickland to stop nut-hugging every famous person he knows. And... If he interrupts his rap again, he's going to beat his ass. He told him to roll your partner, Keith Lee, to New York City next week so they can become the AW Tag Team Champions. Anthony Bowens closed with, everybody loves the acclaim, scissor me, daddy ass. Now, I said this. I said this to somebody while I was watching the show tonight. I don't know if the plan from the beginning was to take Billy Gunn from the gun club and put Billy Gunn with the acclaimed. But the oddball pairing that it was, that I don't think was ever meant to be, 
has been one of the most genuine pairings in all of AEW history. Now, whether or not this was planned, I don't think so, or it happened just because, and nobody knew what the fuck was going on, and nobody knew what the fuck was uh, was happening here as far as who's going where, is he going there, is he staying with his sons, is he going to the acclaimed, and whatnot. At the end of all of it, it makes Tony Khan look like a genius. At the end of it all, it makes Tony Khan look like a genius. Look at how over scissor me daddy asses. Look at how over the acclaimed are. You know, the acclaimed is really something special. Billy Gunn is over with the scissor me daddy ass shit. All of this is because of the acclaimed. You know, people cry for opportunities. I, I may go on a little bit of a mini rant here. You know, people cry for opportunities. People cry that they're not on TV. People cry that they're not being used. People cry that they're on dark. But the acclaimed have been here from the very beginning. Anthony Bowens has been out on two different occasions. Max Caster has had to wrestle without his tag team partner in singles capacity more times than he really thought that he'd have to. And we are now here. None of them ever bitched and complained. The only time Max Caster complained is when he got taken off of television for something that he shouldn't have said. Something that was insensitive that I don't even remember what he said. And it wasn't even a big deal when he said it to me when he said it. We didn't hear any bitching and moaning. We didn't hear any bitching and moaning from Anthony Bowens. Nothing. Not a single fucking peep. You know why they're getting the opportunities that they're getting now? Because they put in the time, they put in the effort, they put in the fucking effort to get over their gimmick and their shtick and really own who the fuck they are on AEW television. And that hard work and that dedication and that loyalty is not only being heard by the fans, not only are they being appreciated by the fans, but now they are at a point where Tony Khan is going to reward them because they went through the process. They went through the entire process. You get people crying and people who are egomaniacs and this and that. When you think of putting in the work and getting there through hard work, trials and tribulations being paid off, homegrown talents at that, the acclaimed is absolutely a statement to that. And yes, Swerve and Keith Lee, whether they were supposed to have a long reign or not, their reign is going to be a memorable reign. Why? Because they just gave you one of the best tag team matches of the entire year. It's going to be on everybody's top 10 list, bar none. And they were the team that basically helped aid the acclaimed get to that next level where they are on their way to being megastars. You cannot leave them out of that. You cannot leave Swerve and Keith Lee out of that. They are a part of what happened here in the last few weeks with the acclaimed as anybody else. This is great shit. Absolutely fan. This is the reason why we watch professional wrestling. I love it. And that Arthur Ashe Stadium is going to be absolutely fucking crazy next week when they win the tag team titles. Backstage, Marvez interviewed Pac, Tupac. 
The Lucha Brothers were in the background. They were returning to their locker room after a very hard-fought match with Swerve and Our Glory. Pac took issue with Marvez. I mean, I don't know why anybody likes Marvez. Marvez is a complete fucking nimrod. This guy sucks. So Marvez said something out of line. He said that the Lucha Brothers were a bump in the road for swerving our glory on the way to Grand Slam, and Pac took offense to this. He said, they are the trio's champions, Alex. He says he's the, he's, he's the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic champion, the first ever dual AEW champion. He told him to put some respect on the Death Triangle's name and mind his own business. All of a sudden, we see a punch come out of uh, right field, and it's Orange Cassidy who hit him with a Superman punch, or an orange punch. Cassidy walks into frame. He drops down. His pack is motionless. He said he won't be a double champion for long. Match is booked. Match is booked for next week at Grand Slam. Pack versus Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic Championship. It was a few years ago where they wrestled, and everybody thought Orange Cassidy sucks. Orange Cassidy's not a good wrestler. This is beneath Pack. I heard it all. All those same people said the same thing against Will Ospreay when Orange Cassidy wrestled Will Ospreay. They looked like fools coming out of that Pack match, and they looked like bigger fools coming out of the Will Ospreay Orange Cassidy match. It is going to be a banger. Pack does not deliver anything but bangers. Orange Cassidy may walk away as the new All Atlantic champion, and I think that may set up. Orange Cassidy, babyface versus Ethan Page as a heel. I could be wrong. I don't give a shit who we go up against. Ethan Page versus Pac or Ethan Page versus Orange Cassidy. One or the other, I think, is a great match. But that's going to be a banger next week. And it's going to be something that's going to make, again, said this during Forbidden Door weekend, Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay are going to make a lot of people look like a bunch of retards. And that's exactly what's going to happen on next week's show. You're going to look like a fucking idiot. And I love it. Good. Tony Storm and Athena. They had a little cutaway promo backstage. They said they will win tonight. Storm wondered why Baker was attacking Hikaru Shida instead of making things right with Jamie Hayter. This was supposed to be Hikaru Shida and Athena. Apparently, Shida got attacked by Britt Baker. And Sheeta was not medically cleared for tonight's match. Tony Storm and Athena versus Serena Deeb and Britt Baker. You know, last week the women got on before, I believe it was like 8.30 around that time last week they got on TV. This week, right around the same time, going into the 9.30 time slot. This was okay. It was just there. Didn't really mean anything to me, but I have one glaring problem. One glaring problem here, Tony, Khan, boss man. I got one glaring problem with this. Uh, actually, two glaring problems with this. And we'll get into that after I go over what happened in this match. Um, Jamie Hayter. She has not been in communication per storyline with Britt Baker since All Out. There is now a falling out. Jamie Hayter wants a new dentist. Is basically what Excalibur is saying. So Deeb is now... Dr. Britt Baker's partner, she's in there with Storm to start this match, and they start exchanging holds. This could be uh, another future title match somewhere down the line. 
some takedowns, some corner chops. Athena makes a tag. She hits a nice-looking face buster. Baker tripped her, and Deeb attacked the leg on the apron by chop blocking. Deeb and Baker took turns, keeping Athena isolated from Tony. Athena then uh, collapsed with the leg being sold off of an Irish whip. Deeb applied a figure four briefly until Athena got free with an enziguri. She gets over to Storm. Storm makes the hot tag. Britt avoided sweet cheek music. Oh, give me that sweet cheek. Give me those sweet cheeks in the corner. Uh, am I allowed to say that on here? Yeah, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. Everybody knows I love Tony Storm. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, okay? You guys got Jamie Hayter. I got Tony. It's fine. So Storm's got the hot tag. Uh, Britt avoided that sweet cheek music in the corner, the running hip attack. On the outside, Storm used Deeb as a launching pad to hit a tornado DDT on Britt. Baker recovered, hit a sling blade, uh, and Athena and Deeb made the tags. Uh, both of them come on in. Deeb countered a springboard into a cross arm breaker. Athena powered Deeb up, hit a Meteora. Storm tagged back in. Deeb rolled through a cross body into a single leg crab, did not want to let go, and is just taking shot after shot after shot. From Athena, match broke down. Baker slammed Athena into the ring steps while Storm countered a deep tox. So Rebel's on the outside. She was out there with Britt Baker. She's talking to the referee. Deep sent Storm into Baker on the apron, who's holding up a chair in between the ropes. Deep then obviously used this distraction to take advantage. And Serena Deeb, off of the distraction and Britt Baker using an illegal object, pins the interim AEW Women's Champion. After the match is over, Baker and Deeb beat down Athena and Storm. Jamie Hayter ran down, and everybody thought that she was going to save Tony Storm and Athena. She took the chair and used the chair on Tony Storm, and nobody knew why. Baker is standing there puzzled. Jamie Hayter drops the chair walks out of the ring, does this motion that she's looking at her. She sees her, and Britt Baker says, I told you I apologized, I apologized, I apologized. And that's the way the segment came to an end. I got two problems with this. Boss man TK, I got two problems with this, okay? Can I take a sip of my cold beverage before I get into this? All right. We got two problems with this. Number one, Tony Storm just won the women's championship at All Out two weeks ago. Why is she being pinned in this match? Why? The one thing that I said, and I don't want to raise my voice because I'm really not in the fucking mood to even bitch and complain tonight, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little voiceless here. Why is Tony Storm losing this pinfall here? Why is she the one taking the pinfall in this match as women's champion. And we just got done ranting about how Thunder Rose's title reign was a complete fucking failure. Some great matches thrown in there, but the substance, it will be remembered for nothing. Thunder Rose's title reign will be remembered for nothing. Britt Baker's title reign was remembered for nothing but that Thunder Rosa match because it helped launch both women. Other than that, I can't tell you about anybody else. Riho, Sheeta, Nyla Rose, I, I can't. The women's division 
is fucking garbage. The women's division is booked like shit. This women's division, with the talent that they possess, has a better women's division than Friday Night SmackDown. I'm not going to go out there and say that it's got a better women's division than Monday Night Raw. I mean, they're pretty stacked over there. But you could easily compete with Monday Night Raw, and you have a better women's division than SmackDown does. The fuck is the problem here? What is the problem? The one thing that we wanted was substance. I said this coming out of the fucking match when Tony Storm won that fatal four-way at All Out. What is going to change with Tony Storm as champion now that Thunder Rosa relinquished the title and we're now getting a new champion? She was supposed to lose the championship anyway. If she wasn't hurt, she was set to drop the championship. What is going to be the difference if you take the title off of Thunder Rosa and put it on Tony Storm? What is going to be different with Storm as champion? Obviously, we got our answer. Nothing. Nothing. Why? Out of all the fucking times that champions lose in AEW in a non-title capacity, I can count them on one fucking hand. You single-handedly made the one mistake that you shouldn't have tonight. Why? Oh, but JD, it was through cheating. I don't give a fuck how it happened. The champion shouldn't be pinned at all. I don't know why a match like this is made. Why? Did we need a tag team match? Athena can't take the pin. She's got to look strong. She deserves a fucking chance in this division. The fuck did you bring her in here for? She's one of the best that you got. Somebody that never got an opportunity where she formerly worked. Now she's over here doing what? What is she doing? Can't have her lose. She already lost to Jade in four minutes. You gave her the responsibility of putting over Jade You asked her to do that, and she did it. Now you want to make a match where, yes, obviously she's the right outcome to take the loss, but you can't really have her lose. Tony Storm can't be pinned. Serena Deeb, I mean, she hasn't done much of anything. What the fuck does it matter if she loses, right? I don't understand. The ending of this match did not make any sense creatively. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter are the ones feuding. I don't know why Jamie Hayter couldn't factor into the fucking match and cost Baker and Deeb the match with Deeb taking the pinfall. Deeb should have took the pinfall. Not Tony Storm and not Athena. What are we doing with this women's division? Then you book a tag team match in this capacity. Does it make any fucking sense? Can they coexist? only to do a fucking Fatal 4-Way again next week at Grand Slam, and we just had a Fatal 4-Way at All Out with Tony Storm winning that match. Can they coexist right into another Fatal 4-Way? The booking of the women's division clearly is being written by a bunch of three-year-olds that don't know any better. Why? I don't get it. The women's championship is on Thunder Rosa. It goes to Tony Storm. And now Tony Storm's taking a pinfall. And Tony Storm is the women's champion and the most important storyline in all of AEW's women's division is Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter breaking up. The most important thing in the women's division, the biggest story in the women's division, should be about the fucking title. 
Not a one-off feud to break up two people that team together. It shouldn't be Jade Cargill and her secondary title. It should be the AEW women's title. When are we going to get on that page? When? You did it with Rosa. You did it with uh, Riho. You did it with Sheeta. Now we're doing it to Tony Storm, who legitimately is one of the most accomplished women in the fucking world in this sport, and she's second best to a fucking Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker feud. Great job there, TK. Great job. Great job. Nothing is nothing in this division will feel important unless we have somebody else taking over the reins and booking the fucking division the way it needs to be booked. Champions should not be losing on national television in a non-title match. They shouldn't. So as far as I'm concerned, Tony Storm is set to defend the title against Serena Deep, correct? Or is that not going to happen? No, we're just going to get a fatal four-way next week after we just got a fatal four-way all out with who, who, with who winning. Is she going to remain champion? Or are we going to put it on somebody else to make Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker the number one story in the women's division? The fuck did you give it to Tony Storm for then? Nothing makes sense. Nothing. Do better. Rampage. It's not live. I may just go live after SmackDown's over. This is a, a missable show. Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen. Penelope Ford versus Willow Nightingale. Yawn. Oh, oh. I may take a fucking nap. Are you fucking kidding me? Ethan Page versus Danhausen. And Samoa Joe. Here's the Ring of Honor shit on AEW television. After I complain, every fucking week, it just happens more and more. Samoa Joe defending the Ring of Honor television championship against Josh Woods. It's great to see Samoa Joe on television. I don't give a fuck about Ring of Honor until Ring of Honor gets a fucking TV deal. Get her off my television. I may go live after SmackDown is over. It'll give me an extra hour on Destiny 2. Grand Slam next week. Loaded show. Moxley versus Danielson for the AEW World Championship. Swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed AEW Tag Team titles. Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Athena, and Serena Deeb for the interim AEW Women's Championship. Who cares? Who cares? Boston, give it to Britt. Pack versus Orange Cassidy for the All Atlantic title. Excellent show. Jamie Hayter, by the way, should be the one to take down Jade Cargill. Get it to 40-0, 15-0, whatever the fuck you want to do. Jamie Hayter taking that title off of Jade is the right way to go. AEW Rampage Grand Slam on Friday. Hook will be going one-on-one. Actually, no, he's not going one-on-one. He's teaming with Action Bronson against Angelo Parker and Matt Menard of 2.0. Main event. Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho. This is the final semifinal match to see who wrestles John Moxley in the main event of Grand Slam next week for the... AEW, the vacated AEW World Championship. I thought this match was better than their match at All Out. I thought this was excellent. 
Better than their match at All Out with a livelier crowd in Albany, which is surprising. Albany over Chicago. Uh, you couldn't get a peep out of those fans in Chicago. They were just fucking putting me to sleep. Brian and Jericho weren't, weren't putting me to sleep. It was the fucking Chicago fans that seemingly didn't give a shit about what Jericho and Daniel were doing in there. So, I thought this match was better than their match at All Out. And they told a really great story here. But I'm not surprised by that because it's Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson. Two great in-ring storytellers. Love the fact that also Excalibur said that Brian Danielson has never beaten Chris Jericho in his career. I also like the fact that this thing was set up basically as Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society. And they basically had blood and guts. Not basically, they did have blood and guts. And now they're in this tournament vying for which group is going to be representing the AEW World Championship. And it ended up being the Blackpool Combat Club wrestling for the AEW vacated World Championship. It's great. Love the way all of this worked out. So Jericho, in the open of the match, Danielson controlled, working over the shoulder here of Jericho, kind of getting him ready for the LaBelle lock. Jericho was eating some yes kicks, ducked a big kick, and he got in there with a release German suplex on Brian. Springboard drop kick, followed by a springboard cross body, put Jericho in control on the outside. Jericho moves so good, man. At his age, which, you know, he talks about finding a fountain of youth, man. I, I would love to know where the fuck that is when I need it. He looks fantastic. So we got a big slap battle here. Chop exchange. Both men's chest is uh, what would uh, be reminiscent of a chop battle. Jericho's chest at one point was all like, you saw the blood vessels, blood vessels popped in his chest. So both men's chests were beat red. Both men tried charging. Cross bodies collided for a double down. Jericho slammed Danielson's head repeatedly into the mat. Obviously, that's got to be a spot knowing... Brian's history of head injuries. He wanted to take advantage. Danielson started doing push-ups to show that they did not have any effect on him. Jericho dropped Danielson with a lion salt for two. Danielson moved out of the corner. Jericho ran shoulder first into the ring post. Jericho crotched Danielson in the corner. Hit a beautiful Hurin Karana off the top. Jericho tried for a Judas effect. Danielson hit a snap German into a cattle mutilation. Danielson then started delivering the anvil elbows, but Jericho landed a shot to the head with some anvil elbows of his own. Danielson, no solo. Nobody does the anvil elbows like Brian Danielson. More chops here. Jericho hit a code breaker. Danielson came back with a busico knee. More chops. This time they're on the apron. Jericho suplexed Danielson to the floor. Danielson all of a sudden started grabbing his ankle. Aubrey Edwards called for Doc Sampson. He came over and Jericho tossed everybody away. Brian wanted to take off his boot because it was obviously squeezing more pressure onto his ankle. They wanted to release that tension. Jericho saw this, his eyes wide open. He goes to the outside. He starts taking Brian's boot off, he throws it away, takes the sock off, throws it away, takes his ankle, starts slamming it on the concrete on the outside. Jericho back in the ring, and he applies a heel hook, spinning toe hold. Danielson kicked out of an attempted roll-up. Jericho then locked on a figure four, 
Both men are now slugging it out. Danielson escaped, got the LaBelle lock on Jericho. Jericho fought out, but Danielson wrenched at the nose to get a better grip of the LaBelle lock and the tap out. And that was basically all that she wrote. So it was unbelievable the way the whole match ended. Danielson, um, he just turns everything around after the fucking spot with the ankle. And that was basically it. Brian wins with one ankle, one foot. And this was a great main event. Like I said, it was better than the match at All Out. Better story. There was a little bit more highlighted of importance in this match. And the right guy won. And Jericho looked great. Daniel looked great. Excellent main event to what I thought was a solid, very solid AEW Dynamite show. John Moxley walked out post-match. They both were in the ring. Moxley stayed at the title, got in the ring, and shook Danielson's hands as the crowd chanted for both as the show came to a close. Loaded Dynamite show next week, and Grand Slam should be great. I don't know what the ticket sales or the ticket figures are for Grand Slam. I don't know if it's going to come anywhere close to what they did last year or if the interest is anywhere close to what it was last year. I mean, I don't know how it could be when you got Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, and CM Punk all basically debuting at the same time. And then you're booking Brian versus Omega for that match. And you got this Grand Slam without a CM Punk, without the Young Bucks, without a Kenny Omega. I mean, it's going to be tough to do. It may seem like AEW right now is operating under bare bones. But this is basically what people loved about AEW in the beginning. This. There's no drama. There's no ego. There's just wrestling and story. And that's it. If you're not enjoying this, then I don't think you ever really enjoyed AEW. Or maybe you're so disenfranchised with pro wrestling that you don't find anything enjoyable. This is basically bare bones AEW. This is basically AEW right at the beginning, in the beginning stages. They'll get those guys back. The Elite will be back. Paige will be back. I don't know what you want. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like you expect it to be. The show is obviously missing the big names, but that doesn't mean Tony Khan is not going to be able to put on a great show. The roster depth, you know, it's got its pros and its cons. When everybody's healthy, it's tough to get everybody off TV. When shit like this happens, this opens up opportunity for those things to be a little bit more easygoing. Tonight's show flowed great. It didn't operate under 150 miles an hour. Things were able to breathe. We went from one match to the next segment, to the next promo, to the next match. Everything felt calm. That's the way I like my pro wrestling show. I don't like rush, 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 rush. We got to operate everything in this frenzy mode. It's not professional. This is a professional wrestling company. Things need to breathe. Things need time to be allowed to just sit and fester and the fans need to just take it in. How are you going to go through one match and then right into the next segment and then right into the next match and then they did a good job tonight. Everything but Luigi, uh, Primavera, whatever the fuck his name was. Chicken Parmesan. It's me, Mario. No, get him off TV. Get him out. Never want to see him again. And that is your AEW Dynamite post-show. We do have one piece of news here. Uh, I did say, and we'll go over this more tomorrow in an extra, 
But Brian Alvarez said that everybody that was involved in breaking up the CM Punk elite fight after the AEW all-out post-show scrum that ended up being suspended, they were eventually sent home. No one heard anything. No contact between AEW and anybody that was sent home. They were all just sitting there, no idea what was going on. As of today, Brian Alvarez said on The Observer, I don't know everybody who is off suspension, but I believe that everyone who was involved in breaking up the fight is now off suspension. Pat Buck, Brandon Cutler, and I believe Michael Nakazawa, who was trying to break up the fight. He's in Japan right now at an all-Japan pro wrestling show. And Kenny Omega, I believe, is doing some work with the video game over in Japan. There's some con going on over there with AEW Fight Forever being featured. So everybody that is a producer or an agent that tried to break it up, everybody but Ace Steel. Ace Steel is suspended. He may, he, he may end up getting fired. We don't know. We don't know anything that's going on with Ace Steel, but everybody that was trying to break it up, like a Brandon Cutler, a Christopher Daniels, he's in Japan as well. He may have uh, been unsuspended. So everybody but the elite in CM Punk and Ace Steel. Those are the big five. All of them are off TV. All of them will be suspended indefinitely. And Punk is out with a nine-month injury, so he's not coming back anytime soon. But that is it, guys. That is all the news. That is your AEW post-show right here on Off the Script. Tonight, sponsored by my great friends over at Established Titles. You know, John Moxley and Brian Danielson are not the only two guys vying for a title in the next week or so. You guys could actually have a title of your own. Established Titles is a project based on historic Scottish customs where landowners are referred to as lords and ladies in English. Now, Established Titles is allowing people to buy titles where you could present yourself as a lord or a lady and you're also going to be gifted one square foot of dedicated land so that you may call yourself a lord or a lady. And I love this, man. I got my own plaque here. I am Lord JD from NY. This plaque sits right on my wall here, man. I look at it every morning. I'm a fucking lord, okay? Who wants to join me in this kingdom of off the scripts? Title packs give you at least one square foot of dedicated land on private estates in Edelston, Scotland, with an official certificate, like I just showed you, and a crest. They plant a tree with every order, work with global charities, one tree planted, and trees for the future to support global reforestation efforts. It makes a great gift. Christmas will be here before you know it. If you got a birthday coming up, if you just want to surprise somebody, it's just a thank you. Makes a great gift. And, and if you guys want to do a couples pack, the couples pack comes with adjoining plots of land. So you guys can actually have plots of land right next to each other. It makes an amazing last minute gift. Established Titles is actually running a massive sale right now. Plus, if you use code SCRIPTS, you get an additional 10% off. Go to EstablishedTitles.com slash SCRIPTS or use code SCRIPTS at EstablishedTitles.com to get your gifts now and help support the channel. I pinned the comment at the top of the live stream chat, and it's in the description below. Go and check it out, man. I want to thank 
established titles for sponsoring tonight's show right here on OTS. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Joseph Taylor with a 5 of 5 and a 2. Two things. Favorite John Cena match. And tomorrow will be eight months. I've been subscribed to your channel. Thank you, Joseph Taylor. And my favorite John Cena match. CM Punk and John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. Me and Satnam Singh share the same birthday, 12-10-1995. Thank you, Joseph Taylor, for that. Fun fact, I didn't know that. The tag team title match, my match of the night. Yes. I enjoy Jericho and Brian Danielson more, but to each his own. Tony Brown, my boy, Tony Brown. What is going on, brother? We got Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. There was meat, definitely, he says. Oh, yeah. Plenty of it, bro. Jamie Hader, Tony Storm, and Athena, bro. You can't get any better than that. Frank Aqualino with a 499 Super Chat. Great to see Athena on Dynamite. Need more of her. Britt needs to be away from the women's title for at least a year and make room for other women. I don't know why I have a feeling that Britt Baker's going to win the title back next week, bro. I don't know. Or maybe Jamie Hader does something to ruin Britt Baker from winning the title and she retains the title, does Tony Storm. I don't know. Thank you, Frank. Jet Set with a $14 Super Chat. Thank you, JD, for all the awesome podcasts. Found you a few years ago, and I've been a fan since. I'm celebrating my 31st birthday today. Can I get an Angry Orchard and a Samuel Adams pumpkin ale? Jet Set. I love you, bro. Thank you for the 14, but we, we don't drink Angry Orchard in the venue, bro. And we don't have Samuel Adams pumpkin ale either. Even though I'm a fan of Samuel Adams' beer, some of their some of their more exclusive stuff, the, tr- the, the the trendy stuff and the supermarket generic shit, I don't like. But they got a pumpkin ale, man. I, I believe it's called Jacko Pumpkin Something. Uh, Jacko Lantern. I don't know. You could only probably get it at the brewery. I think that's the only place I found it. Fantastic. They also got a gingerbread ale as well for the Christmas season. Fantastic. What we have, Jet Set, is I could give you a Southern Tier Pumpkin. Or one of my favorites, Elysian Brewery. Has a beer called Night Owl. Or Victory Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Or who else has a good pumpkin ale? Those are the only three coming to my mind right now. But I'm telling you, man, the fall season is the best for beer. This is my prime. This is my WrestleMania season for beers, basically. Thank you, Jet Set. M- Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Brian Jericho was good. MJF is going to screw Moxley. I hope so. I hope so. I want it to be as unpredictable as possible. Thank you, Michelle, with the $2 Super Chat. Filthy Slimes with a 1999 Super Chat. An idea for Crown Jewel. Have Roman defend in a six-pack challenge against Seth, Riddle, KO, Drew, and Cross. 
This is the point in Roman's reign where the odds need to start being stacked against him. Also, pray for Jess. Filthy Slimes. Thank you for the $20, by the way. Number one. Number two. No. No. Two things need to have happened. Number one. Number one. Roman Reigns should just give up the WWE title. It's going to make it seem worthless, but whatever the case may be, whoever gets it next is going to make it not seem worthless. Give up the title. All you got to do is go to management. Listen, Roman is the WWE champion. Monday Night Raw does not have a world champion. We need our title back. I'm not showing up on Monday night. I do what I want. I'm the tribal chief. Take the WWE title from him. Adam Pearce has to be an executive. Or Triple H has to step in. Take the title away from him. Put the title on the line in the Royal Rumble. Have Seth Rollins win the Royal Rumble. Have Cody Rhodes win the Elimination Chamber. Cody versus Seth at WrestleMania. One idea. And then you could do Rock and Roman at WrestleMania for the Universal title. So you got Cody and Seth, night one, Rock and Roman, night two. Or, my idea, keep the titles on Roman. Have Cody win the Royal Rumble. Have Cody challenge Roman Reigns for the WWE title on Saturday. Have him beat Roman on Saturday and become the WWE champion. And then have Roman defend the Universal title against The Rock and beat The Rock. And we have both go their separate ways. I like that idea a lot better. And yes, Solo Sokoa just won the North American Championship. Carmelo Hayes is due for an imminent call-up, is what I'm sensing there. Zach Smith with a Canadian 1399 Super Judge. Just wanted to send some love your way, JD. I've been a listener of the podcast for about seven years now. Thank you for getting me through my custodial night shifts. Cheers from Canada. Thank you, Zachary Smith. I'm glad you find solace in the podcast while you're working, bro. I love to hear it. Anthony Hayes with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, I was thinking and imagining about FTR and Wardlow interferes in MJF. And whoever for the AW title and MJF wins and reunites the pinnacle. No. Now, MJF and Wardlow are not working together at all. Again. Larry the Dog. With a 199, a 199, and a 4.99. I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. April, protect me, he says. Phil may be suspended, but his wallet isn't. Go, J.D., And then he says, got to go. Phil caught me watching Kenny Omega highlights on YouTube and proceeded to call me an empty-minded dumb fuck. Love you, Kenny. Larry. I love it, bro. Jabril Mohammed with a 199 Super Jab. More deep on my television. She's too damn good. She is excellent. Mac with a $5 super chat. Prayers to Jesse and send my condolences. And my condolences just buried my 19-year-old cousin. Some jerk couldn't stand the fact that he was losing at a car game and shot him. Mac, that is that is fucking awful. I'm sorry to hear that, bro. I don't know what's going on this month, man. I really don't. It's one of those months. Prayer emojis for PMAC, bro. 
Jaxo23 with a 19.99 super chat. Did you hear that NXT Black and Gold is coming back? Yes, I tweeted about it, Jaxo. I don't know why anybody's excited about this right now. Why is anybody excited about Black and Gold coming? We don't know what the fuck that even means. After what we saw with NXT 2.0, how could you be excited about Black and Gold? We don't know what the fuck is going to happen. I mean, I watched I watched the show, and all I needed to see was Quincy Elliott grinding his ass on the steel post. That's Black and Gold? That's not Black and Gold to me. Also, I predict that they will hand the AEW Women's title to Britt Baker. Also, the bloodline has more gold. Thank you, Jackson. Freebird with a recommitment. 14 months. Thank you, Freebird. Good show as always, JD. Can't believe I've been sitting VIP for 13 months. Freebird, you're going to get some new emotes in just a few weeks, bro. You know, you know I'm, I'm going to shut this music off. You know, you know. I want to save this for an extra tomorrow. You know, a lot of people think that black and gold is... You know, every All the black and gold is coming back because we got a fucking logo that showed up at the end of the show. The black and gold is more than just a fucking logo. It's black and gold in attitude. It's black and gold in presentation. It's black and gold in vibe. It's black and gold as far as an in-ring aspect is concerned. It's black and gold based on the fucking commentary and the thoughtfulness and the fucking hard work that Morrow and Nigel McGuinness put in. It's much more than a fucking logo. So I don't understand why people are so excited about black and gold potentially coming back. It's so much more than that. You can't have a black and gold inside the fucking performance center while it looks like a box of Fruit Loops. Can't have black and gold with that fucking casual, goddamn fucking smelly mark crowd that is at that performance center every week. It's not the full sale crowd. I want my heavy metal. I want my dingy and fucking basement looking fucking nightclub looking NXT. That is black and gold. That is what made us fall in love with it. Not this overproduced, bright, fucking gotta look like the main roster vision that Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard wanted. That's not NXT. That's WWE being fucking WWE on Tuesday night. Basically turned NXT into raw light. It's not NXT. Chris with a 999 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Love the podcast every single week. I was thinking the same thing about Roman with Mania. Cody Roman, night one. Rock Roman, number two. Night two. Cross beats Roman at SummerSlam for the Universal title. ECW Hardcore, $5 Super Chat, JD, how are your cats? Cheers from my fellow cat father, OTS for life. Excellent. ECW Hardcore. And Ahmed Gaming. Ahmed Gaming. Well, they won 99 Super Chat. You're going to be at AEW next week in New York? I'm definitely going if you are. I may have a meet and greet, bro. I'll let you guys know. Patrick Palmer with a three months, three months down. As long as I get to the highest level, I'm still walking down the path of VIP. Those three months, I appreciate it, Patrick. And Filthy Slime, 499 Super Chat. Well, what do you do about Crown Jewel? That's one of the biggest shows of the year. They need big names. 
I don't give a shit what the fucking Prince wants. You book accordingly to what's on your television show. There's no big names left. You used Austin and Goldberg is hurt. And nobody wants to see Bill Goldberg as long as you got Brock Lesnar there. I don't really give a shit. Lesnar Lashley is the way to go. Guys, I'm getting out of here. We just came in at two hours. Go visit Established Titles. Go check it out. At least go check it out. EstablishedTitles.com. Code script at checkout for 10% off. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the super chats, guys. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Jedi Joker with a $2 super chat. I missed your $5 chat. I didn't get it here, bro. I didn't get it, bro. I did not get your $5 super chat, brother. $2 super chat. He gives me, JD, you missed my $5 super chat. I'll get it on Friday, brother. I need that music on Max, guys. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'll see you guys on Friday night for SmackDown right here on OTS.